1: A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team.
0: Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome to another edition of Hawk Talk Podcast. This time we are previewing the San Francisco 49ers. I'm your boy, NASA Tobi, joined alongside the hostess with the Moses, Michael Bumpus. You can catch him weekdays, 10 to 2, on the Bumpus Stacy Show on 710. And everywhere. Hawks live. Bump, you're doing your thing. What's good, Bump?
1: Staying busy like you, my friend. Getting ready for another week. Hawks coming off a win.
0: Let's go. No, it feels good, man. I'm I'm still basking in the glory of, of Monday Night Football. <laughs> I'm, I'm a rule violator because Pete tells you to get over, turn the page. I already had Tell the Truth Monday. Everyone's on to the next thing. But I'm still basking in the glory of what happened on the big win on Monday night. But I will do my best to, to, to kind of calm those, those nerves down and flip it forward <laughs> to the San Francisco 49ers. What's on tap? What's on tap? Division rival, the San Francisco 49ers. They are 0-1, tied for last place in the NFC West. I love how I just had to throw that in there. You know what I'm saying? You got three (laughs) teams that (laughs) are tied for last. Because, you know, your Hawks are in first place, which is great. Now, Bump, this 49ers game last week against the Bears was something, you know, it shocked me a little bit. You know, everything we've kind of heard about this 49ers team, what we've seen with our own two eyes is a really good football team, a great roster with a ton of guys that we're going to get into in this podcast. And they go up to Chicago. And it is a rainstorm. I'm talking a monsoon-like flooding-type type thing. You can barely see the yard markers. You got Justin Fields diving in a puddle, sliding around. So the, the conditions weren't great. But that being said, you know, the, the, the Niners lose on the road to a Bears team that people don't think is going to be very good. You know, it was a nasty game. Bears end up winning 19-10. And all eyes were on young Trey Lance, who is now the guy. He's the clear-cut starter. He's the guy now Bob, what'd you see from him you know what i mean his stats weren't that great but what'd you see from trey and, and did you expect more in his debut
1: yeah i did expect more and people forget man the niners passed up on justin fields to get trey land so it's like there's a matchup going on here that no one's really talking about and he looked like a rookie he looked like a guy who is getting his first start and the rain is coming in sideways and there's puddles on the field you know he didn't look comfortable out there he was 13 to 28 164 yards one touchdown and the, probably the worst part about this thing is that they were one for three in the red zone. You know, once you get into that red zone, you have to put up points and especially with this 49ers offense, you know, you're going to see just sweeps. You're going to see a great run game. Shanahan's going to call plays off the run. I wonder if the conditions kind of hindered his play calling, but end of the day, you expected the 49ers rain or shine, snow, sleep, whatever to go to Chicago and get it done against the bears
0: especially with their kind of personality of a football team. When you think of the 49ers, you think tough, physical, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, all these guys um, on the offensive line, big, strong, physical guys. So I'm not saying they got out physical or anything like that, but those are the type of ball games you'd expect them to win, close, grind it out, run the football. They were unfortunately didn't come up uh, with a victory for their sake. Justin Fields on the other side, he wasn't flashy. He was 8 of 17, 121 yards, but did have the two touchdowns and one interception. Um, So – I'm wondering, we're going to talk to a lot of guys from San Francisco throughout the week, whether it's on Hawk Talk or before the game on Sunday. With the ex- expectations where they really were coming into this season, I know it's one, one week. It's just week one, yeah. so you don't want to overreact to just one football game. But I'm wondering if the the chatter is, how soon the chatter is going to start with Jimmy G kind of waiting in the wings, even though they've dedicated. They've said, Trey Lance, this is your ball club, this is your team. But to have him there and to have Trey Lance struggle, and if he continues to struggle, I'm wondering how soon some of those Jimmy Garoppolo whispers are going to start up.
1: Well, for the fans, they're probably already whispering. You know how fans are, man. They, they literally take it week by week. So you can't overreact, but you have to react. And the, the reality is that Trey Lance didn't look great. He didn't look like a guy who was had this whole thing under control. And that's why I didn't really like the move of them keeping Jimmy G, because you knew that we were going to have this conversation. People were going to have this conversation. As soon as that young man did not do what people expect him to do, Jimmy's over there creeping i just have a, a vision of him just like peeping around the corner with one eye you know what i'm saying ever so softly like look i'm still here shannon right. if you need me i can run this offense i know this offense." so you know uh train has a chance to kind of keep him at that uh, arm's reach but you know they playing the hawks this week so i hope he does the same thing he did last week and, and struggle a little bit
0: I, yes i would love that i'd love to get some turnovers some takeaways and As we said, we always look at the head-to-head comparison. We said this on our last podcast, you know, looking at last year's stats. And after one game, it's hard to digest the numbers because, you know, this could be a fluke. It could be a one-time thing. Things, averages get swung so quickly after just looking at the first week. But looking at this head-to-head comparison, um, offensively in numbers, both teams didn't score a ton of points in yeah. their first matchup so both teams were ranking kind of in the bottom half of the league Seahawks at 29th in a total offense in terms of yardage and the 49ers ranking at 20th and then you look at running the ball the Seahawks were tied for 24th at 76 yards a game and the 49ers had 176 yards ranking seventh but what's deceptive about that is it doesn't show how successful Rashad Penny was when he did get his opportunities against the Broncos he was 12 carries, 60 yards, averaging five yards a carry. So a little deceiving. We I mentioned the points. And then so looking at the offense, I think these teams are comparable. But um, I, I think the Seahawks are definitely going to look to take that next step uh, this weekend. Yeah, and taking that next step would be
1: um, going over 125
0: yards rushing. I think that's a good
1: number for the Seahawks to hit. Um, it would be putting up more points. You know you're not going to win many football games in the league consistently putting up 17 points. The funny thing about the stats is that if you look at the 49ers defensive stats and you didn't, you didn't uh, know that there, were, there was some rain going down and, and the, the conditions were crazy, you would say, oh, yeah, this is the 49ers defense that we know, right? Total defense, number one, only allowing 204 yards. Um, rush defense, 15th. Uh, pass defense, number one. Uh, points allowed tight for ninth and allowing 19. So yeah you're right it's week one right you can't really look into these stats but to the untrained eye they will look at these stats and say yep the 49ers are at it again but take to account what happened uh Trey Lance I think the stat leaders obviously Trey Lance not obviously he did lead the team in rushing with uh with 54 yards and passing about 164 yards uh, Debo Samuel scored a touchdown we expect him to be heavily involved and Nick Bosa does exactly what he's supposed to do he has a sack so, yeah, week one, I feel like these uh, these stats get more interesting, maybe around week three, four five, because you have a chance to improve on some things and, and really show who you are as a ball club. So, you know, take it for what you want at this point of the year.
0: Oh, yeah. So it's all about sample size. And like you said, about three weeks when you actually have some real data and teams are playing their guys and everything's going on, we'll have a better idea about what's going on there. But as you guys know, we're taking on the San Francisco 49ers, and, and this is a very familiar matchup. So let's learn about the history. No. Your history. Seahawks lead the all-time series 29-17 to in the regular season. Uh, last meeting, you know, last year, the Seahawks did sweep the 49ers in that season series in the last matchup. They beat them 30-23 to at Lumen Field. And that was a fun game. I remember Travis Homer got things going with that 73-yard touchdown on the fake punt. Yeah. And it was another game where we mentioned this in our last Know Your History is um, there's going to be some funny nuggets in there. Like, when you look back, you're going to be like, wait, Adrian Peterson scored a touchdown for the Seahawks? <laughs> <laughs> and he wow. had that, which which was cool to see there. And then D'Estridge actually got his first touchdown in that game. That was kind of our first real glimpse of D'Estridge because he played in that Colts game last year, had the bad concussion. We didn't really get to see much of him till the end of the season. So that was cool to see. Tyler Lock in that ball game led all receivers with seven receptions, sixty-eight yards on the Seahawks side. And despite the loss, George Kittle balled out nine receptions, one hundred and eighty-one yards, and two touchdowns. And bump, obviously, we never, we hope guys are healthy doing their thing in the league. But if George Kittle can't play against the Seahawks this Sunday, I'm okay with it. I'm okay. I'm I'm gonna tell George Kittle,
1: man, take another week, dude. You know, make sure you're healthy and ready to go for the season. But, you know, if George is out there, we'll we'll do what we got to do. But when one of the best tight ends in the league has a possibility of not being able to play, uh, you don't frown upon that, not at all.
0: No, not at all. So, um, if George Kittle, you're out there, we want you to be safe, be healthy, take all the time you need. (laughs) And then if you want to take a night off in December on a Thursday night, you know, it's a short week that week too, so feel free to do your best. Feel free. Feel free, man. All right, let's keep it in the NFC West. What's the word?
1: Where my soldiers at? West side. Where my soldiers at? West side. And the
0: Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West on Hawk Talk?
1: collectively it was not a good week for the nfc west if you're not the seattle seahawks they're the only team to come out with the win the rams lose the cardinals lose and the 49ers lose it still could be a tough division though we shall see but the highlight game i guess the start off the season was the rams first the bills there's such thing as a super bowl hangover so everyone's waiting to see is that going to be the case for the rams you can kind of say it was the case it's hard i feel like it's hard to be celebrated before the game yeah you're hugging you know, you get your rings like the vibes are good but then you're like okay we got to play some football, and you got to play against one of the best teams in the league—a team that's picked to win the Super Bowl, the Buffalo Bills. The Bills jumped out to an early lead, 10-0, but the Rams do what they do: get the ball to Cooper Cup, You scored a touchdown. They tie it up at halftime, but uh, after that, it was all the Bills. The Bill—the Bills—scored 21 unanswered points in route to an impressive victory, 31 to 10. Matthew Stafford—he struggled a little bit, 29 of 41, 240 yards, one touchdowns. He threw three interceptions and was sacked seven times. That is never good. The running game didn't really get going. Daryl Henderson left the Rams for 47 yards, zero touchdown. Cam Akers only had three touches that game, which is crazy to yeah. me. But there's one thing that you can always count on with the Rams. Cooper Cup is going to do his thing. You have 13 receptions, 128 yards, and one touchdown. Now, as so we look at Josh Allen, you look at something that every team wants, the quarterback who is mobile and who can throw that thing. He was 26-31, to 31, 297 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, led the team in rushing, had the play of the weekend for me. Whenever I see a quarterback, stiff arm, a grown man, I get excited because quarterbacks ain't supposed to do that. Uh, so that got me excited. Now it's week one. We don't want to overreact, but the Rams look like they
0: can take some miles this year. I'm hoping that's the case, and like you said, the the Bills are probably one of the best teams in the National Football League, if not the best team as it currently sits right now. Josh Allen is a phenomenal athlete. His height, his size, running guys over, finishing at the goal line over Bobby Wagner. I mean, Josh Allen is a competitor and he's a great football player. I love the accuracy, twenty six to thirty one. Obviously, he'd love to have the interceptions back, but no, they look like. The Bills look like a great football team. And the Rams, it's like you said, it's hard. I can't imagine trying to get your ring and all that stuff, family in town. It's the first game of the season, and then have that the Bills come into town who have that chipping on their shoulder, who have been, you know, are tired losing to the Chiefs in the playoffs and are ready for that season to get going. So it'll be very interesting, especially looking at Matthew Stafford on that shoulder and how everything kind of holds up. And it's, it's really hard to climb that mountaintop again you know it's it's one of those things when you get that good you think we're gonna be back every single year but they got a lot of guys they paid a lot of guys so it'll be interesting to see I'm obviously hoping they fall off a little bit um time will tell but that was a a great way to start the season off for the NFC West the other matchup I want to talk about is the Cardinals and the Chiefs holy smokes the Cardinals man man. I mean again we're week one so I don't want to overreact everything so I'll preface everything by saying that but the Chiefs are a great football team but they came in and it was all Chiefs. The score is 44 to 21, but it was not that close. Chiefs led 23 to 7 at the half and were up 37 to 7 heading into the fourth quarter and Patrick Mahomes was doing whatever he wanted to do. 30 of 39, 360 yards and five touchdowns, no interceptions and was not sacked. I mean, that just sounds like seven on seven numbers right there. So, <laughs> it's, it's it'll be interesting to see and again, the Cardinals had a lot going on this offseason. Colin Murray gets signed to that big contract. They may finally broke the streak getting into the playoffs last year. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from here bump, but it was not a good showing in week one.
1: No, nah, not a good showing at all. You mentioned Pat Mahomes doing his thing. Five touchdowns, no interceptions. He's 5-0 and oh, season openers as a starter. Good for him. Kelsey, you know you can depend on Kelsey. These tight ends, man, they're changing the game. Eight receptions, 121 yards, one touchdown. The thing that I always look at to see if an offense is struggling are third down conversions. Now you look at the Cardinals and their third down conversions, three for 12. That means you're you're getting to third and longs, or you're just getting there and you're not converting, you're not sustaining a lot of drives. Also first downs. Kansas City have 33 first downs. They're Ooh, moving boy. the chains
0: to the Cardinals, 18. That offense was not good enough. Yeah, that's hard. It's hard to win ballgames that way when you can't stay on the field on third down, or you know, the fact that you're in that many third downs means you're not even getting big completions, big gains. So it'll be, again, interesting to see. I mean, the Rams and the Cardinals both had incredibly tough opponents in week one, and we'll kind of see how their seasons go. But like you said at the beginning, man, it was a great week. If you're a Seahawks fan for the NFC yeah. West, as the Seahawks are one and in on the division and hold a one-game lead over everyone else in the division. But well, let's get back to those San Francisco 49ers and man up.
1: Hey, this? Oh!
0: Man up on Hawk Talk.
1: Both these teams, the Seahawks and the 49ers, are working with new quarterbacks, and Trey Lance has been the focus of this offseason. You want to see what this young man does, and uh, we're going to see what he does against the Seahawk defense. Man, He was 13 of 28, 164 yards, one interception, and sacked twice last week. Now, his career numbers in the seven games, 54 for 99, completion rate of 54%. 667 yards, five touchdowns, three interceptions, sacks six times, but he can run that rock, too. 51 carries for two hundred twenty-two yards, one touchdown, and three career starts. The thing that fascinates me about Trey Lance is that he's only played 19 games in college at North Dakota State. He's only had one real season after his senior year of high school, but that season was impressive. If you look at the numbers, you can understand why Shanahan is like, you know what? I might want to take a chance on that kid. Almost 3,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, one interception in a national championship. I don't care what level you play at. You're throwing 30 touchdowns in one interception. That is very attractive. Now, we've only seen a sample size of this dude, right? As a starter, we've only seen one game, saw a sample size last year. He's going to grow. I assume he's going to get better. Shanahan is going to figure out how to call plays for him. Uh, but so far, you can tell that he's a rookie and he's got some, some room to grow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think the talent is there, obviously. You mentioned the one season at uh, North Dakota State, which is phenomenal. I mean, I don't care what level you're at, FCS, Division Two, NAIA, whatever it is, that is impressive feat, and that's hard to do. And he kind of got his feet wet last year, but last year was kind of tough. He was kind of thrown in there because of injuries to Jimmy Garoppolo. Now going yeah. into this season, you had all the reps, you had all the mini camps, you had training camp, you had preseason as the guy. And again, it's a really a really tough situation to go into Chicago in terms of the conditions and whatever plans Shanahan had. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see because we don't have a lot of sample size with Trey Lance. I don't know. He's that guy that's going to be kind of questioned throughout the season because we really don't know what we've seen from him. We haven't seen him be able to put together several solid games. So it'll be interesting to see the game plan Kyle Shanahan has for the Seahawks given what we saw from the Seahawks defense. And we mentioned it earlier, the numbers aren't great when you look at the defense and where they rank in terms of yardage. But what happened was when things, when push came to shove and he was down the goal line, the Seahawks' defense stepped up. And it wasn't something like the Broncos just dropped the football. Those were forced. Yep. Those were plays the Seahawks were making. And to hold Russell Wilson on any roster, I don't care what it is, to 16 points, is pretty good. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm really looking for the Seahawks' defense to ratchet up that pressure. You know what I'm saying? I thought, unfortunately, you know Jamal Adams is not going to be playing for a while. That was tough to take. But on the play he got hurt on, that's the kind of stuff that makes his defense dynamic. Yep. You have people going different ways, and you and you bring Jamal off the edge or whoever's going to be playing safety free to the quarterback. So I'm looking for them to play a lot of different looks and try to confuse the young rookie in his uh, first matchup this year as the Seahawks have had pretty good luck against the 49ers in recent years, especially now in Santa Clara. Man, they've been dominant. They've been
1: dominant down there. Yeah, I'm with you. You have to be able to tackle. You have to tackle, right? During the preseason, tackling was an issue. I feel like it's got better week one. It should get better as the week goes along. What's that next
0: matchup looking like, Nas? Geno Smith taking on that defense. My guy on, Gino, Gino, man. I'm still giving him love. <laughs> Gino fired me up, man. They tried to write me off. I didn't write back, though. I didn't write back. Bars. Left you on red. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. Gino's a man. Had a great week, 23-28, 195 yards, two touchdowns last week. Set a bunch of records out here is one of the best you know in terms of completion percentages start that we've seen since 1994 only eighth player to complete complete 94% of his passes in the first half while attempting at least 18 passes we know what Gino can do and i think he just gave us a glimpse of where he's at and he's going to have his hands cut out for him because this Niners unit is going to be physical they're going to be strong they're going to have guys rushing from all sides so As long as Geno continues to be him, and I think him and Shane Waldron kind of get in rhythm for what plays Geno likes, right? I loved when he had the design run to pick up a third down. I love his mobility that everyone's kind of slept on, stepping up in the pocket, looking down the field, and then you bring in all the tight ends that have been used. So I'm looking for Geno to a little more of the same. I mean, we can't ask him to start games like he did in terms of completion (laughs) percentage because it's the National Football League. But I'm excited to see what Geno can do against a tough San Francisco defense. Yeah, just be in control. And that's what I thought
1: watching this game that Gino was in control. He didn't look flustered, he didn't look rushed. He looked like he understood the offense, knew what defense he was looking at. Uh, but now it's on film now. People you know, have an idea what Shane Waldron and, and Gino want to do. So they got coaches over there, too, with the 49ers. They would devise a game plan to get out. We know that the 49ers have been one of the best defenses in the league for years now. And it's no surprise that they rank number one in total offense. So, yes, it's all about making these adjustments. And I'm excited to see how they build off the game plan from last week. Uh, the next matchup, Nick Bosa my guy abe lucas gokus abe is going to go up against one of the best linemen in the country in football on all levels that is nick Bosa. he's going to have his hands full but the thing that is encouraging about this young man is he only allowed two pressures last week you got a rookie on monday night football honestly i expected more penalties he did get one penalty which was ticky tack as heck he's not even affecting the play his hands Uh were inside our offensive lineman ray roberts uh, the guru will tell you that that was uh should have been called, but you're a rookie. You don't get the benefit of the doubt. Learn to deal with it. And just a little glimpse into Bosa, man. He's just he's a sack machine. Oh I mean, I, that's exactly what it does he gets after the quarterback. He's coming off a of Pro Bowl year in 2021. He had 52 tackles, 15 and a half sacks and 21 TFLs. That is tackles for lost people. And that led the league also had 32 QB hits. He's going to be ready to go. A we'll talk to him on Thursday. Um Hawks live, we'll we'll get a little more insight from him, but uh he's got his hands
0: full. Yeah, Bosa's relentless, man. He's got 25 and a half career sacks and would have had a lot more, but he was he missed essentially the entire 2020 season, I think he tore his ACL. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough. I was watching that the Bears footage, you know, on the all 22, it he his get off, his strength, his discipline, he's good in the run game. Mm-hmm. He'll get after the passer. You have to account for him on every play. Every play, whether you're slanting towards him, it's one-on-one. So Abe Lucas, the thing I like about him, though, I I should mention to you off air, he's a silent assassin. He's not a guy that's going to be making a ton of noise, but when you come between those lines, he's physical. You know, we mentioned it before, the rap on him, unfairly, was just because he played at Washington State that he wasn't physical and just wanted to pass block. That is not the case. He's been pancaking guys all camp, all preseason, so I'm excited to see what Abe can do against one of the league's best And then bump the other matchup that I really want to get into was the Seahawks defensive backs against Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and Juan Jennings. I mean, Debo, first of all, Debo's out of his world good, man. He's a Swiss Army knife. He can be one of the best receivers in the league. If he was a full-time running back, he could be one of the best running backs in the league. He can catch the football. He can be used all over the field. And um, it'll be interesting to see how these guys match up because they got speed, they got playmakers, but this, don't sleep on the Seahawks secondary. We've got some young guys out there, some different guys playing, but Mike Jackson had a great debut, two huge fumble recoveries against the Broncos, always in the right spot. And Tariq Woolen, man, you know, he had a couple penalties last game, but they're a little ticky-tack. One he kind of grabbed, another one I thought he was in good position. But what I love about him is his bounce-back ability. Something like that happens. He was not phased in that stage, in that moment. Comes right back, defends the play again perfectly. You want to talk about coaches teach tape? That's the exact kind of teach tape a good punch on the on the breastplate turn and run and look back for the football that's exactly how you teach it and a guy that can run four two six you can't you can't teach that man and teach it for a guy who's played that little amount of football to be where he's at already we're gonna look back and again i don't want to put this on somebody but i could see us looking back in comparisons to richard sherman in the sense of i'm not saying he's gonna be you know hall of fame great but what i'm saying is you're gonna look back and be like man you look at the draft grade you're gonna be like that is unbelievable the Seahawks were able to get that talent in the fifth round but these guys are gonna have their their arms full with the 49ers receiving core
1: yeah man you mentioned Debo Debo can do it all that did a little bit last week two receptions for 14 yards eight carries for 52 Brandon Ayuk had two receptions for 40 Jennings had four receptions for 62 Debo Samuel last year tore it up 77 receptions 1,400 yards six touchdowns and uh, also rushed a ball for 365 yards. Ayuk had 826 yards, five tutties, and Jennings had 24 receptions for 282 and five touchdowns. All right, next matchup, man, the Seahawks tight ends. We're actually talking about Seahawks tight ends, which is exciting to me. Yes, sir. It's been a long time versus 49ers linebackers, man. Now, we got three tight ends who are capable. You got Will Disley, you got Noah Fant, you got Kobe Parks. Now, the Seahawks combined for eight receptions, 102 yards, and two touchdowns. They got the party going early, man. That big play to Uncle Will Dissey, 38-yard touchdown on the very first drive was great. And then a lovely play design that got Kobe Parks in, in the end zone for his very first touchdown. But out of the 55 offensive players from the Seahawks, Dissey was on the field for 37. Pat was on the field for 31. Parkson was on the field for 20. So those snap counts alone let you know there's a commitment to getting these guys involved. We also saw some other formations. We saw three tight ends heavy to the right. We saw two tight ends in the backfield on like a wishbone type of look. We saw tight ends motion outside. There's a real emphasis on getting these guys the ball. And all that is going to do is open everybody else up. Uh, DK and Lockett might have had quiet days, but because these tight ends are getting involved, it's going to open things up for those guys too. So um, I'm excited to see what Shane does with these guys, with this position group this week.
0: Absolutely. I think that's one of the missing things of the Seahawks offense is the tight ends, man. And when they're firing all cylinders like this, I love that that's on tape. I love that San Francisco has to look through all those formations. And I can't wait to see what Shane Waldron has cooked up for him this week. And it's exploiting matchups. I think they're going to look to get these guys matched up with linebackers in situations where, you know, of course, you're going to take Noah Fant one-on-one, a linebacker coming across the field or whatever it is. So I'm really looking forward to that. But the linebacker, linebacking core for the 49ers is pretty dang good. Fred Warner, Greg oh, yeah. Greenlaw, they got some dogs over there. Warner's one of the best linebackers in the National Football League. Last year he had 137 tackles, four pass defended, three fumble recoveries, seven TFLs, and three QB hits. So if you're coming across the middle, those guys are going to be factors for our tight ends, but I really want to look into that matchup. And the last one I want to take a look at, Bump, Rashad Penny, going against that 49er front seven. We've talked about how good – the linebackers and defensive line is for the 49ers. But Rashad Penny, you know, ultimately is going to make this offense go. I mentioned he only had 12 carries for 60 yards last week against the Broncos, but he was incredibly effective when he had the ball. And there was two big plays that were called back because that sheet would have looked yeah. a lot better. And I think this mm-hmm. is going to be a game where he's going to get involved a lot earlier and, and definitely need to be a factor because Rashad Penny, when he's going, this offense is going.
1: Yeah, well, Rashad, man, it's, um, it's more about looking – at the way he moves and seeing how he feels. You know, we know that he's battled a bunch of injuries. Preseason, he's saying he's in the best shape he's ever been in. That's encouraging. You mentioned those two runs I recall back. Big runs, even though they don't show up on the stat sheet when you watch the film, they're still watching film and saying number 20 can get loose if you give them an opportunity to. So, yeah, for Rashad, it's about just uh, getting used to getting hit and bouncing back up and being the, the catalyst and the thing to make this offense go. Last week, it was the tight ends. Uh, this week, I think you lean heavily on Rashad to open the game up and get everybody else the ball. But there's there's a way you got to win, Nass, and, and that's the path to victory.
0: At the 45, waits for the snap. Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away, and that kick is good! The Seahawks win! It's good! It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk. Well, every game. Every game's a championship opportunity. That's how it is in Pete yes, Carroll's sir. program. And when you treat every game like that, you avoid letdowns. I know a lot of times people, when you have a big emotional win, you're really concerned about the next game. They call it a trap game, whatever you want to call it. Not in this building. When you treat every game like that, that's why the Broncos game was every other matchup. At least that's how it's being preached, and that's how the guys believe it. They're the next team on the schedule. It happens to be the 49ers. So I'm excited for that. I don't think there's going to be a letdown And when you treat every game that way. I think um, – I think the Seahawks are going to come in, and I wouldn't expect to see a letdown from them on Sunday.
1: And you got to get after Trey Lance, man. He's a young quarterback. I mean, I called him a rookie. It's the second year, but, I mean, he's still a rookie. Might he, as he well, yeah, yeah. played at least 16, 17 games yet, so make him look like a rookie and make him beat you from the pocket. We know that he can move. We know that he's an athlete. When he tucks it, he can go. So it's all about making him stay inside the pocket and be something he doesn't want to be. I think he can throw the ball from the pocket, but when you have youth and athleticism, uh, you want to use it, and that's on the outside. Keep him there.
0: Make him be a statue. Absolutely. And on our side, excuse me, the Seahawks' side, they need to establish a run. We just talked about in the last matchup, Rashad Penny needs to get going. I think he's a guy that if he's around 15 to 20 carries, I think that's a sweet spot for him because when he gets that many carries... That man always goes over 100, always goes over 100. So get that running game going. And then, you know, continuing to try to find a way to get DK and Tyler involved in this game plan. We know that they're obviously vocal points in the game plan. Things shake out how they shake out. Gino's going to take what the defense is giving him. But with Rashad going, you're going to be able to find a way to get DK and Tyler going, and this whole offense is going to be opened up.
1: Yeah, and we need this offense to finish stronger than they did last week. Didn't score any points in the second half. Second half. Thankfully 17 points were enough, but you were you missed the connectivity in that second half. Now they only had what three or four possessions. Yep. Not a lot going on there, but you got to find a way to build off of what you did in that first half and play a complete game. Thankfully that defense came through clutch last week. But um, yeah, fit strong, right? We know no letdowns, even if we just get some field goals. Man, I just want to see offensive production in that second half. Gino lead the charge,
0: man. Absolutely. Go 1-0, man. Start start the division season off strong. Go 1-0. Own the NFC West. The path of doing that is taking care of division matchups, and that's what the Seahawks have on tap this Sunday as they head down to Santa Clara to battle the San Francisco 49ers. If you're listening on the radio, the pregame show starts at 10 a.m. in Seattle, 11 a.m. across the Seahawks radio network. That was another edition of Hawk Talk, the preview edition. Reminder, you can find us everywhere, Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SiriusXM, and a lot more platforms. It's been real. Hopefully, we'll be talking to you next Monday about a Seahawks victory. I'm Nassit Chobi. He's Michael Pampas. We'll be back next week on Hawk Talk Preview.